grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Welcome to a sermon podcast from Salem Lutheran Church. For more information, please stay tuned at the end of the sermon. Sunday in Advent is found recorded in Zephaniah chapter 3 beginning at the 14th verse. Shout out daughter of Zion, shout aloud Israel, be glad and rejoice with all your heart, you daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has removed the judgment against you. He has turned back your enemy. Israel's king, the Lord, is in your midst. You no longer need to fear disaster. In that day, Jerusalem will be told, Do not be afraid, O Zion. Do not give up. The Lord your God is with you as a hero who will save you. He takes delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. This is the word of the Lord. Our second lesson is found recorded in St. Paul's letter to the Philippians, chapter 4, beginning in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone, the Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. In Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. We read from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 3, beginning at the seventh verse. So John kept saying to the crowds who came out to be baptized by him, You offspring of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Therefore produce fruits in keeping with repentance. Do not even think of saying to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father, because I tell you that God is able to raise up children of Abraham from these stones. Even now the axe is ready to strike the root of the trees. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is going to be cut down and thrown into the fire. The crowds began to ask him, what should we do then? He answered them, whoever has two shirts should share with the person who has none. And whoever has food should do the same. Tax collectors also came to be baptized. They said, Teacher, what should we do? To them he said, Collect no more than what you are authorized to. Soldiers were also asking him, And what should we do? He told them, Do not extort money from anyone by force or false accusation. Be satisfied with your wages. The people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might be the Christ. John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but someone mightier than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the straps of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing shovel is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor. He will gather the wheat into his barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Then with many other words, he appealed to them 
and was preaching good news to the people. This is the gospel. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for consideration is found recorded in St. Paul's letter to the Philippians, chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone, the Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, these words hold a very dear place in my heart. It was during my vicar year, which is during the seminary training, we go out to a congregation. It's your on-the-job training year. And I was in Juneau, Wisconsin, and, and it was actually in August, and ooh, a heart, uh, 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 just a pouring rain, and you know it's raining hard when the water droplets begin to dance. Well, it was on Saturday night that the senior pastor, my supervising pastor, was actually coming home, he and his wife, and their car began to hydroplane. It went across the center line and ended up hitting another oncoming vehicle. Both of them were strapped in, so the injuries they suffered, and by the way, it literally tore their car in half. Parts flew, half the car flew one direction, half the other. But they were strapped in, and so all their injuries, and they were severe, were all from the seatbelt, broken ribs, pierced lung. But they were still alive. Not so the other car. It was a young lady, and she did not have her seatbelt on, went through the front windshield, died instantly. I got the call of the accident. Actually, I heard it on TV. And then as I'm watching TV, my phone rings telling me that the senior pastor and his wife are now at two different hospitals. One for sure is being rushed into surgery. So I grabbed the oldest son and, and we ran to the hospital uh, that night and and was ministering to both of them. Now, being a vicar, you would be assigned a certain Sundays to preach. You had to write out your sermon and have it approved by your senior pastor before you could preach it. Well, that Sunday was his turn to preach. So I had no sermon prepared. I ended up coming home at 1 o'clock in the morning and went right to bed. I was just exhausted. What am I going to do the next morning? Several pastors said that they would come over and preach if I would go over to their church. But again, I had no sermon prepared. And I really felt strongly that since I was the vicar of that church, I should be the one to lead that service. And they agreed. 
One of the pastors, his name is Arthur Clement. The prayer book that we use every Sunday is actually written by him. I had the honor of getting to know this man, and, and he had said to me that when you stand before the congregation and preach on God's word, choose this text. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. It is the one time and the only time that I actually closed the door to the office five minutes before the service and said a prayer and read the passage several times and conducted the service and preached the sermon that I can't remember. It was clearly all from emotions. But does it seem right to say during a time of tragedy, rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again, rejoice. You would have thought that maybe we should have picked a more somber type text or, or, or maybe just Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. Why this text? Well, why did the Apostle Paul even write these words through inspiration of the Holy Spirit? By the way, Paul is actually in Rome when he writes this letter, and he's under house arrest. He's been chained to guards. His freedom has been limited. You could say it's been taken away. He's waiting for his case to be presented before Caesar, and he doesn't know from one day to the next if Caesar will, number one, hear his text, or number two, send in the soldiers to end his life. Meanwhile, the congregation in Philippi, whom Paul had, had a dear heart for, had ended up sending him a gift to help in his support during this house arrest. And not only that, they even sent one of their members to go and help him and to serve him and to take care of his needs. <clears throat> So Paul writes the letter to the Philippians, thanking them for their generous gift and the wonderful help and the faithful servant that he had received as he continued, even under house arrest, preaching and teaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And yet that was not the heart of his letter. His letter was not just a, a Thanksgiving letter. It was a letter that climaxes right with our text. It is a letter that says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Even with trials and tribulations, we still rejoice. Now, in the original language, it, it says it even stronger. English doesn't capture it well. Because the word rejoice is actually in the present tense. And in the Greek language, that means it's an ongoing tense, a tense that never stops. So when he says rejoice, he's not saying do it one time and be done. Rejoice and continue to rejoice and don't stop rejoicing. And if that's not enough, then he includes the word always, which means at all times, at all occasions, rejoice. And if that's not enough, then he adds it again, and I will say it again. Rejoice, which is that same verb, emphasizing ongoing actions. 
Now, if you see the word rejoice as simply meaning happiness, yes, everything he's saying here is going to be silly and ridiculous. To be happy at all times? Are you kidding me? But rejoicing means more than happiness. And we know this because of the key words in this statement. Those three words, in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. It was the angels on the day that Jesus, or on the evening that Jesus uh, was born from his mother Mary. Remember, he was laid in a manger in such humble in such a humble place, reminding us of the words that he did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. But it was that evening when the angels came to the shepherds and said that the Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This is the Son of God. This is the Lord. This is the same Lord who led the people of Israel out of Egypt and, and brought them to the promised land of Canaan, which God gave them. And then, in addition to all that, in addition to all that, is he's called the Christ, the anointed one. He comes to fulfill those three offices of prophet, priest, and king. He is a king who will defeat our worst enemies with his very life and death. That is sin, death, and the devil. He is the prophet who proclaims the good news and has called his believers to proclaim that same good news, that Jesus is the Savior of all. And he is the high priest who certainly intercedes in our behalf with prayers. But more than that, he offers the ultimate sacrifice for our sins once and for all. No more sacrifices have to be made. We do not make bloody sacrifices. Our sacrifices are living sacrifices. As our whole life is a sacrifice to the Lord, living to the Lord, who we're told is near. Certainly, we're two or three gathered together. There he is with them. And what a great comfort to know he's right here with us now. But he is near means more than that. It's pointing to the fact that he is coming again. This Lord who came the first time to pay for our sins and win for us that forgiveness of sins and that sure hope of everlasting life is the Lord who promises to come again. Where on that day, we will receive the final piece of redemption, being with the Lord forever in heaven, where there'll be no more sin or suffering or pain or death. The Lord is near. And since we do not know when he is coming, now is the time to rejoice. Now is the time to say it again, Rejoice. Now is the time to keep our priorities straight. That whether we face days of happiness or days of sadness, whether it's days of trials or 
days of tribulation, because of the hope we have in Christ, because of the grace and mercy of our God, the Father who sent the Son, the Holy Spirit who testifies in our heart that good news that of Jesus Christ, we live with a hope that rejoices. And I will say it again, rejoice. In fact, joy is not just an emotion. It lives. It is alive. And it is alive in our very heart and soul and mind. And, and notice how a joy-filled live, life lives. He speaks of a do and a don't. When it comes to the do, he says, let your gentleness be known to everyone. Once again, this word gentleness in the original Greek language is, is a lot stronger than what this English word is. Because when I think of English, the first thing I, or gentleness, the first thing I think of is, is right away kindness and, and, and being nice. But here the word gentleness means not being selfish. And it's being, instead of being selfish, being selfless. Considering other people's interests even above your own. We don't lord it over another. We don't brag that it's all about me. But we consider and always take to heart even the feelings of another. Always looking to build up instead of tearing down. And this gentleness, he says, is to be made to everyone. Even our enemies? Absolutely. Even our enemies. As we pray for those who persecute us. When John the Baptist was preaching the message of repentance to the people, and people were coming out to be baptized, as we just heard from the lectern, he also added the words, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. <clears throat> produce words and actions that live in according to a heart that has sorrow over sin and yet trusts in the forgiveness that is a gift of God, that faith. And therefore the fruit of repentance is certainly making, making right the wrongs you have committed if possible, but it also includes this. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. And along with it comes a don't. Do not worry about anything. This is worry of being excessive worry. This is worry that comes when I want to be in control and when I think I can handle it. This is worry that includes fear. This is worry that includes hopelessness. This is worry that when I can't handle it, that I'm overwhelmed with despair and really with hopelessness. This is a worry that's easily selfish instead of selfless. And notice what the opposite of worry is. When in catechism class, when I ask my students, What's the opposite of, for instance, worry? They'll always say, well, don't worry. Well, I want you to think bigger than that. But yes, that is true. 
But notice how God, what God says the opposite of worrying is. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. Instead of worrying, the Apostle Paul invites the believers to pray. Pray, yes, for yourselves. Pray for those around you. Yes, pray for even your enemies. And do so with thanksgiving. Don't knowing that God hears and answers your prayers, knowing that you have a God who cares. This is the very God who gave his life for you. This is not a God who's out to forsake you and leaving you to your own ruin. This is a God who's watching over you and has the almighty power to even answer your prayers. Roads. 
but instead heed the word of the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. This is our prayer. This is our confession. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to a sermon podcast from Salem Evangelical Lutheran Church. If you have any further questions or would like to learn more about Salem Lutheran and its ministry, please check out our website at www.salemevlutheran.org. Once again, that is www.salemev l-u-t-h-e-r-a-n dot o-r-g. May God bless you today and every day.